This week on Backyard Footy. I just think here with American football and the NBA, it's 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 kind of marginalizing, and then it's one of those sports I feel like it. I think that has the potential to definitely start to pick up um, if they. You know, I think if you know every league has to kind of figure out how they want to market and do things. Yeah. But I think this is a perfect time with you know coronavirus stuff going on, like for people to kind of leverage and get into different spaces now. Right. I think teams and leagues who are behind. Kind of marketing. This is a very important time, um, but I think I think uh, I think like as you said, we, it's, it's about the youth and how they invest in the youth. You know, right. there's, there's more programming for the youth of soccer. Then it's just naturally to be okay. I want to play that when I get older. Exactly. So it's kind of like I was saying the grassroots level. I think that you know if that was something that either the cities or leagues would throw more dollars into, then obviously the kids are going to be more exposed to it. It's all exactly. about exposure. Exactly. And, you know that's why I think. Charlotte Hornets have junior like Hornets camps and yep. all these things. Yep. Yep. So it's just I think it's just yep. getting down to the basic level, it small is. level, um, youth is. level, and then they grow up. Oh, I can play here. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's up, footy fans? It's your host, Hugh Roberts, a.k.a. Superhuman. We're here live back in ESPN Studios for the 39th episode, where each episode I dive into the backgrounds, journeys, and experiences of professional athletes, former athletes, and anyone that's been involved with the game. So I have a very, very special guest here with me, my first NBA player on the show, a native of Chicago, high school McDonald's All-American, third-team All-American at Kansas, playing with Mario Chalmers, Big 12 champ as well, 2007 first round draft pick, 13th overall for the n former New Orleans Hornets, 13-year pro, playing for the Raptors and overseas for 10 plus years. Now he's here in Charlotte with a new high-tech facility called ADAPT here in Fort Mill, Charlotte, or South Carolina, but right outside of Charlotte. But without further ado, I welcome you guys, Julian Wright. What's good, my guy? Welcome What's to the show. What's going on, Superhuman? Ha, ha, ha. Appreciate on. you joining me, man. How's everything? How you been living down here in Charlotte? Good, just uh, just adjusting to the, the slower life opposed to Chicago, and uh, you know, I just I just like that. Uh, you know, it's, I call it it's like the best of both worlds. You got, right. the, you got the back, got the backwoods, and you have city life. So you can kind of just kind of mingle in between both of those. So right. I like that. Uh, right. It's just it's peaceful overall. So yeah, I'm liking it. Why did you decide to come down here and open a facility? Uh, well, I just start off with just liking it out here, and then you know, my my, my days were. But numbered in terms of playing, not because of injuries, things like that, but just mentally. You know, right, 13 right. years, I felt like it was really my 12th year when I decided to, um, to to start the business, and I thought that they love. I saw that they love sports out here, but you know, I actually was just trying to start off light, see if I liked it, and I was trying to rent at different facilities, and you know, some of the bigger metropolitan areas, Chicago, LA, as I lived in LA for a little bit. Um, you know, you can you kind of just get to know people and just get in some gyms, pay them right. a little bit, or or right. they have just places for rent, right? Um, like big old facilities, like sports plexes, right? And so I was just trying to rent gyms, and it was it was just low, it was a low rate of success. So I was just say, look, I obviously I got if I want to do this, I got to get my own spot, right? And that's pretty much what happened. Um, 
reached out to a to a real estate agent, showed me around town, all around Charlotte, and wow. ended up being in the Inland Fort Mill area. Wow. It made the most sense in South Charlotte. So did you? You never lived in Charlotte before, and here now, right? Why, like Charlotte of all cities? Uh, well, I had, when I was when I was with the Hornets, New Orleans Hornets, I had some teammates who were with the Bobcats. I'm showing oh, my history. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Need the teams to go by that now. Charlotte yeah. Hornets, as, as we all know. But uh, I had some players that got traded. Um, had uh, Mecca Okafor. Um, he got traded, and he was telling me about you know Charlotte. He was like, it's really mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. And the other players were telling me about that. Just you know, I like to ask different players because we don't really get a chance to see cities. We just right. come and go. We always in the, the yeah. downtown or the city center. Yeah. And then we just on our way after the game. So yeah. I just kind of took that t- to heart, and then just, you know kept that in mind. Uh, at the time, of my wife, and my kids, we were looking for a spot this week because we knew we've been playing bounce around countries. Right, like we was right. like, we're, like at some point we're gonna eventually stop. So like we was just trying to find where, somewhere we want to be able to raise our kids. Right. And uh, it just made sense here. She, she, my, my wife, she has some some um, experiences out here nice. in, in the Carolinas. So nice. you know, it just made sense after we did some uh, some sightseeing. It was like, all right, this makes the most sense. I got gotcha. all the cities. Yeah, in the that States. makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So talk to us kind of about your brand, adapt. For those who don't know, and those who are watching on YouTube, definitely subscribe on YouTube because we do. I did uh, some insights to his new high tech facility, so you don't want to miss that. You want to hear him talking about the facility itself, demonstrating drills and everything. But talk to us kind of what Adapt is and why you started that. Well, for for me, uh, it's crazy because you know starting a business, you first thing you got to do is think of a name. Right, right, right. And honestly, I, it's one of those things where it just it just it just flew. It just it was just it was like fluid. Like, I can't remember exactly how I got to that. Mm-hmm. I think I was first off thinking about what I could do is contribute. You know, if I am going to be have my own train business, so I thought about okay, my experiences with sports performance and all the things that it takes to get ready for the next season, off season. Right. Like really, I take care of your body. You got to right. take care of you know all that. So I had great experience with great trainers being trained by like Tim Grover, who everyone knows in the sports world, basketball, you know, made uh, most famous for getting Michael Jordan to a point even higher level with it, right. just from his physicality and then. Kobe and D. Wade, different people, um, and I had some good trainers in L.A. Uh, who worked with a lot of Clippers players. So I was around. I just had high level sports performance without a whole bunch of squatting and all that stuff. Right. Basketball doesn't really require that. So I thought, okay, right. cool. I don't need to get no gym like that with a whole bunch of weights and you know, racks. Right, and, right, you know, right. It's not really like that. You can do that, but it's not. I think nowadays the way people are playing all these positionless type of basketball, which I'll get into, that's pretty much where I was like, well, we can. We got to kind of also take care of our body. Make sure we're not overloading ourselves when we yep. know kids nowadays growing up, they play way too much. Yeah, so, I agree. And then um, I just thought about, okay, well, I'm a multi-skill player. You know, I, I, in high school, I played point guard. And then in college, I played power forward or point mm-hmm. forward pretty much. I would get the ball and break and go. Yeah. And then, which that was kind of like not rare. That was kind of rare at the time. Um, and then, like, I played small forward in the NBA. And then, like, power forward center when it got to be small ball overseas. So I feel like I saw every brand of basketball. Mm-hmm. And so all that came to being. I just I was just like looking at like dictionaries, thesauruses, just like words, just right. di- different things. Like I was just thinking of one word. I was like, how can I right. think of one word to put it all together? Mm. And I just it just came to me. I was just like adapt. And then like I was like, okay, now what is that? Like because I was thinking about how I've had to adapt and work. Yeah. Think about a lot of you no know, different positions, different coaching styles, and it just became like what I have experienced. I want to now make that the brands. And mm-hmm. then I just had to think about a. Acronym and it was athletic development, which is like sports performance, mm-hmm. and all-purpose training, which is dealing with multi-skills, being all-purpose, um, 
And so that's pretty much how it came together. It was wow. like just a lot of self-reflection. And when it came to me, I just wrote it down right away. Bam, mm -hmm. let's get started. That was February 2019. So what kind of separates your brand and facility than others? Well, to, just not to be too long when it, uh, glad you asked the question between, because mm -hmm. uh, that's like the, the root of the definition or right. the acronym. And then the aspect that I, I just kind of got into with, with adapting now to sports psychology, uh, understanding that it's a lot of ups and downs in sports. A lot of times, kids, which is my target market, even though we, tra we train you know, collegiate pro players as well, we, we know that they kind of need the most nurturing. And so right. you know, them having to be able to adapt. And, and obviously working on some skills helps them as well. They can find different roles and be effective regardless of their role. Like they get five minutes a game or they get this role. They've worked on so many different things with us that it does, you know they're able to adapt to their role and right. you know because they've been equipped for different skill sets. Right. Um, and then the, that last definition, if you want to treat it like a dictionary, is is technology. So mm -hmm. you know we know these kids now they they they're growing up with all this technology. So I thought let's sprinkle a little bit of that in it, but not for bells and whistles, but for the people to be able to get data. Cause mm -hmm. they, it's a data-driven society now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even your phone lets you know how long you've been on it and which you know a website, right. or, you know this and that. It's right. like right. so we thought, okay, this is a great um, terms of accountability for everybody involved, whether it's the parents, the, the client, um, adult train uh, players, and then our our staff, so that we can all look at these numbers. We can look at kind of the, the technology that we have in there to measure mm -hmm. shots, measure you know how high they're jumping, and how, how yeah. hard or soft they're landing. That's you know, some of the athletic development part. So we threw technology from the for athletic development and offers training to try to just make it a complete player who they know what to work on. They can work smart, not just coming in here running around cones. Right. That's let's look key. at some. Let's look at some data to say hey, you need to shoot more free throws. You need to make make more shots on the left wing of the shot of the uh, court. Right. That's kind of stuff we want to do. Just kind of be next level and about. That's something that I that I noticed as well too when I visit the facility. The technology in there is <laughs> top notch. I mean, that's definitely going to separate you from everybody else and even just the educational activities for the kids too that's something again go to the youtube channel as well because that's something we showed and played around with as well but that's going to change the game because kids just love playing games and stuff but it's a good educational way for them to learn oh for sure for sure so talk about the mental aspect of adapt though it's not just the physical aspect but the mental aspect i know we were talking about that as well at the facility mm -hmm. uh yeah it's 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 very important for us to to you know Someone's rather they train with us once a month, once a week, or once a year. We consider everyone who comes in our facility is is, is, is a valuable uh, person that we can contribute and help right. um, in some way. And so, right. we only we don't only do training in person. We do uh, we have consultant business as well, part of the aspect of it, where we allow uh, we will allow people to submit videos of their games. Mm -hmm. um, we want to be accessible so we can. We can get, do basically break down their film, some of our technology in there. Um, it allows us to tag similar to Synergy, which is known for like NBA professional level, where they get all the stats, but they, they, they don't they don't provide a service where they provide pointers and things like pause right, and right, annotate right, and all that right, stuff. Right, so we right, have technology right. where we can do voiceovers and 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 also even jump on a Zoom call one on one, uh, and then we can talk about it as well. So we can say, okay, what were you thinking about in this? This is our notes, but we also want to know what you were thinking because it's not always about just yeah. let's sit back and just mark up a screen and, and give you, you know, tags of you know better shot selection. We can do all that, but we want to know what they're thinking so we right. can help them throughout the process. Right. So that's the consultant aspect of it. 
Um, and then also we do online training, which uh, allows us to expand our, our brand. So we'll, you know, myself and staff, we'll be doing Q and A sections. Um, mm, I like that. A lot more free virtual classes. Uh, especially we know, um, you know, everyone's not really ready to get in, in the front around people. We know right. some people are. We've already had those experiences, but we felt we could reach more people and just be a, be a resource because um, a lot of kids missed out in their spring and uh, in the beginning of summer with with getting ready, you know, for the, the next year playing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Definitely agree with that. So what's kind of your visions and goals with Adapt? Um, def I definitely wanted to, I mean, this is the flagship spot, you know, it's, it's, it's 5,000 square feet. It's not too big, not too small. It's more training based. But the goal, would, I would definitely want to expand and get a standalone uh, spot where it's, it's definitely for, uh, for playing as well. We have, you know, four courts or so, at least one cross court, two main courts, have a, a, you know, a state of our weight room. Mm -hmm. And we have some other technologies that we just didn't want to acquire and put all into that one spot visions of, of, of expanding um, and then you know I, the idea is, is to branch away from not from adapt basketball but to adapt sports um, as, as we were talking about just because technology you know, we want to kind of just get a lot of data and a lot of experience in our own lane with basketball but the goal is to hopefully expand it to the brand is when we throw in technology in a lot of different sports whether it be soccer as you were talking whether it be yep. baseball yep. You know, we can we can show that. Hey, look, we're just trying to you know, carry the torch or, or pass the baton, so to speak, and let other people kind of see what they can do with it. Once you come out with an idea like Apple came out with a smartphone, now it's thirty smartphones. We know right. we're not going to be the, right. the only, but we want to be the first to hopefully, if anything, just be inspired to inspire others as well right. um, through other sports. We love to see other sports kind of throw like more technology that. into it, so then we might get some ideas right. and things like that. So That's something I like, too, especially for the soccer aspect, because especially with the technology, I can come in there and do futsal. Like mm -hmm. you said, it's very diverse. You can do multiple sports, but the technology aspect will, for all kids, enable them to see what they're doing wrong, what they need to improve on, what they're doing right. Yeah. That is going to speak volumes to them improving over time, too, and even just getting footage here back to your phone when you go home to watch it it's gonna and then it's gonna change the game yeah, sure, sure. so let's kind of rewind though and talk about your career and how you got here in this moment right now right now here in charlotte creating adapt so talk about life in chicago a little bit growing up in there back in chicago yeah so um it, it, it's one of those things where you know like i'd like to say it's not really from where you at you know i definitely you know miss chicago and, and miss you know a lot of things about it but Honestly, some things that just make me want to stay out the way. Um, I didn't have the toughest upbringing, or at least like that. Like, you know, moving to the south suburbs, about 15, 20 minutes south of Chicago. So I felt like I was, I was, you know, I would spend time, split time between living in my uh, mother's, under my mother's house, and then the times I spent spending at night, spent some time with my dad, especially in the summer, a lot more. So I felt like I got a, a good, healthy, you know, balance. Um, it's just seeing kind of, both sides of the spectrum in terms of being in a big city, um, and I just I just love sports. You know, I grew up playing a lot of different sports. I, I mean, it's easy for someone that when they accomplish you know some things that I've accomplished to make it seem like you know for barbershop talk like yeah I always knew I was gonna be like nah I was just I didn't even think gotcha, about that I would play gotcha, gotcha. kickball one day I played baseball another day I played football and then I played basketball I played more basketball but I still love other sports and I feel like that's really helped me as an athlete and also just seeing the game differently. And I, and I always encourage people to, to work on multiple sports and, and things like that. And being in a bigger city is always people like, 
you just walk outside, go to the park, you go here to the field, you just right. know people out there. Right. Whoever right. has right. a football, cool. Somebody's got a baseball, let's play this. Or somebody, right. You know, that's kind of how it was. So that was the, the, the simple life, I feel like, you know, where we just go out and play for three, four hours. I, I haven't seen that in a long time. I don't think I've seen it all since I've been an adult with you know, right. kids. Right. But I had a pretty simple life, um, you know, try to stay out the way. Basketball is definitely a way to help me um, just have something to look forward to. Mom kept my, made sure I kept my grades up. I had one time I had a D minus in the class, even though it was like midterm, like she sat me out of the games. I had to do extra credit and do some work to get right. Um, it wasn't no damage control. It wasn't no, like, she made sure right, I knew, right. like, he's out, he's sitting out because yep. you know, he didn't do his, his, his stuff right. So, yep, mom's the same way. Yeah, so that was the way I was like, okay, that was that was my wake-up call, and I'm glad I got it, you know, even my, I think it was my junior year. So I got that early on, just mm -hmm. slacking in one of my classes. Right. And I just kept those little things with me to this day. Right. In terms of right. business and, and right. just how I want to operate just being on top of things. Yep, it speaks volumes to now. My mom raised me that same way. Yeah. So even after all that success through high school, coming McDonald's All-American, being ranked top 10 players in the country, you didn't really think about NBA at the time? You weren't thinking like, I know I have a good shot and get to the league at this point? Uh, to, to be, to now, all right, that was my childhood, like you know, preteen or stuff. I would say when I got to 17, 18, um, I, I'd say that my, my, when I was 17, I realized, all right, I got a chance at least like, Possibly playing NBA at some point because I had a really good AAU um, campaign. Uh, they have this uh, this big Nike tournament. You yeah. go do it in uh, South Carolina, North Augusta, South Carolina, called Peace, Peace Jam. Jam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so I, our team won that Illinois Warriors. We won that, and I, I think that's when I went from like top twenty five, top thirty, to top ten, like bona fide top ten player in the nation. Um, and, and then my senior year, we beat Oak Hill Academy with Kevin Durant, young Kevin yeah, Durant, yeah, yeah, Ty Lawson, okay. and all that. So it was like, I started to say, okay, like, we're, we're, I have a good chance to do stuff. Some people were telling me there was some, uh, it was, I remember this Miami Heat, Scott was in the stands. Because my year, 2005, was the last year um, guys who go out of high school as, you know, as a senior. Right, um, right, go right, 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 so right, right, right. I, I, oh, it was, wow. Yeah, that was the last year. I had, like, Amir Johnson. Monte Ellis, Lou Williams is still in the league. You know, like those guys, Martel Webster. Those lot of guys that went straight. Um, right, Gerald right, Green. Right. So that was that year. That was the last year. That and then it was one year, year after, um, you know, after you graduate. That's basically when everything kind of went together. So all that being said, that was like, oh, that was good to know. But I still wanted to just go to college. I feel like I need to polish my game. Right. And that's kind of you know, how it was like, well, all right. The fact that I got scouts in the stands at my, in our high school games, that's good. That's encouraging. But I, I'm not, I don't think I'm ready for that. Let me, let me, let me go, go to college route. Right. So why Kansas? I'm sure you have multiple college offers from different countries, different yeah. schools. Yeah. At that time, it was, it was pretty much down to, to Kansas, Arizona, Illinois, DePaul, I believe. And I want to say Kansas was out of it at one point um, because there was just some things going on with co assistant coaches changing. University of Kansas. So basically, Coach Bill Self, he was at University of Illinois when I was in high school, and then he got the job at Kansas. I think my my junior in high school. Gotcha. And that's that same summer I was like blowing up. But they had some coach changes. A lot of some assistant coaches are kind of signing different players to recruit. Mm -hmm. And then Coach Self had like a little surgery during the, like the, the contact period, and I just thought like, man, they they must have went in a different direction. And I didn't really like. I could say I was salty, but I was like, okay, I gotta keep right. moving on. Right, but then right. like the next. Fall visiting period, they made me contact my mom. Just like, you know, look, we we really sorry we dropped the ball. Like they admitted, like we had, you know, just some coach changes and coach self had some surgeries. So 
Like I was, I, I was seeing at the, at, at the, when my mom was doing the AU, I'm like, why are y'all here? Like, <laughs> rocking with me. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had to like soften my heart. I was like, okay, look, they are were recruiting me. I, I definitely like, you know, the coach self, you know, just kind of his way of watching the games and seeing how he's you know, using players, things like that. And he came in for a visit. And then like one thing that stuck with me, we talked about a lot of things. It was like a lot of catch up, catching up, because I didn't really mm. talk to him during the contact period. Mm. And one of the things he says like, and what, I'm gonna say that all the other coaches did say this, but one thing he said um, was that I can't guarantee you minutes. You're gonna have to earn them, and that's how I was used to. I was used to like playing. Like I, I played um, junior varsity my freshman year. Right. If I went to any other high school, I most likely would play varsity as right. a freshman. But right. my high school coach, Roy Kagati, who's a, a Hall of Famer in Illinois, he's coached like Mark McGuire, different people like um, T.J. Cummings, Terry Cummings' son, uh, who's in the NBA. Um, like basically, he he saw that I could still polish my game and get more minutes mm. and play without thinking at, mm. the, at the JV level. Respect. So then they made my last three years in high school like just uh, complete. And that's when he moved me to point guard. Everything right. in history. So all of me said I was used to that, and that really stuck with me. I say, look, some other coaches trying to lay out the red carpet. I'm not used to that. Like, cause right. then I feel like if you give, if you give me minutes, you can take them. But if I earn them, you can't just take them. Cause now you gotta look at yourself in the mirror, like. Right. Man, he been going hard in practice. Right. He been, you know, doing what I told him. You know, like then it's like I gotta play him. Right. So that's all I'm right. used to, and that that really just set the tone. I said, look, I'm not waiting for a visit. I'm like, I, I called him back, and he didn't know what was going on. And I called him back, and you know, they was like on the road like 10, 20 minutes, and I was like tearing up. Like, man, I know I gotta like, stop playing because I felt bad. Like, I'm like, I could have easily just like picked up phone. I was right. just feeling, right. I was right. in my own feelings about that. Right. And I said, look, the fact that they came this way and all that stuff. I just said, look, I'm not gonna waste y'all time thinking that y'all know what I'm thinking. I said, I'm, I'm coming to Kansas, so that's how right. it worked. I didn't even have to go on the visit. Wow. Just off the off the strength of how he the coach self was with me, and right. he he was legit like that. Even when I was there, like open door policy, this door open. Wow. You know, he's busy trying to get ready wow. for games and stuff. But whenever we come in, he'll sit down 20 minutes, and he don't he ain't like trying to like multitask. Like he can sit down on his phones and just talk to you. And like I always stick with that. Always sticks with me this day. Just how to treat. People, even if you are busy, you got things going on. It's just right. a way to right. make people feel like, okay, like I am busy, but look, you you also right. there's something that matters, right. you know. And I always that stuck with me to this day. That's respect, and I'm sure it speaks to the culture and the environment and why you guys are successful winning Kansas. I know mm-hmm. we've won like ten plus years in a row, Big Twelve champs, yeah. and all that. Like, not just, a coincidence. it's not a coincidence, right? right? And it speaks to that because on the littlest, littlest level, you feel like you want to try hard and work hard for this guy, and that just speaks volumes yeah. too. So you're there for two years. How was that two years, you know, transitioning from high school now to college playing ball? You have a bunch of stars around and it's college ball now. It's yeah, different. that was a great, it was an adjustment, but not really because I had a pretty stacked team in high school. I had a um, teammate um, who ended up coming from, who was about to go to Northern Illinois and then uh, went another route, but ended, ended up in Iowa. Um, had some other players go, um, uh, another player go to Barbara. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I had players that were D1 players on my team mm-hmm. um, in high school. Another guy went to Vanderbilt. Like, we had we had a little squad. Um, <clears throat> and so I was used to playing with, yeah, I was used to playing with a whole bunch of different type of uh, personalities, things like that. And I feel like a lot of these players, when they when they go to these, these big colleges, they've been the man the whole time. You know, they've been the type that always get all the shots they want and all that stuff. So, like for me, I averaged only 14 points, nine rebounds, and six assists. Was a McDonald's All-American. 
So, you know, I, I didn't have those big stat lines. You look at most McDonald's All-Americans, they averaging 25 points, 12 rebounds, 5 blocks, some crazy numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've always been used to playing with good talent. So that, that was not an adjustment for me to not getting as many shots because I didn't need that many shots to be effective on the court, mm-hmm. um, especially having playing play point guard in high school. So the only adjustment was just the physicality at my position playing a four. I'm like, two bucks, ten. I'm two ten, two fifteen out there banging against guys six ten, two fifty. You know wow, what I'm saying? Wow, As wow. I'm a freshman. Right, right. Playing, right. You know, I'm playing against Marcus Aldridge. Right. They kicked my butt the first time playing. We beat them in the, in the championship, in right. the Big Twelve championship. But you know, it was, that was a wake up call. This man six eleven, two fifty. I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But you know, it just I, that was those experiences I always remember, like playing. You know, that's adapting. You know, just playing. Bigger than I am, and I just I just got tough. You know, Coach Self was big on that as well. Like you can't play if you're not tough. So you know, it ain't about how strong you are. It's just mentally, you know, if you can really, you know, get the job done. So I just used a lot of the coaching. I had high level coaching in high school. I had high level coaching in, um, in college. So I felt like this was it was all pretty much what I expected my college experience. I got you. So you ended up getting drafted 13th overall in the first round kind of fulfilling your dreams. How was that moment for you? Talk, walk us through that. Uh, it, it didn't really hit me until after I got drafted, like a few days. Cause it was like, it was, I was so busy. Mm-hmm. I was so busy getting things done. Like I was trying to, you know, they run you around. Uh, Krista Chin, she, she, uh, she was doing stuff in the NBA a lot. Everybody knows her in that circle. But she, I think she's doing stuff in the NBPA now, but she's running all the players around. Cause I was uh, in the green room. Cause you know, if you're a draft, like a, a Lottery pick or projected, like usually they invite. It's almost probably like a ballot. They say, "Hi, right, how many players would y'all want?" You know, it's basically like we get about sixteen to twenty people in the green room, right? Um, as they call it, kind of at the bottom, so they walk you up. And so, like, it was just I was basically like a rehearsal, just kind of trying to figure out. Like, I, my mom was just like, "All right, let me make sure I know my mark. Let me make sure I know I don't trip." You know, it's just all these things to worry about when I get drafted. It's like, and you have an idea you're gonna get picked too, right? Like, you don't know when, but your agents and people are telling you beforehand you have an idea? Yeah, so reason another reason I, I, I felt confident of entering my sophomore year was um, the projections. Um, Coach Self and them, they, they, uh, the, the coach staff, they were pretty transparent. They reached out to teams, or at least teams like uh, okay. offered to tell you know, nice. people who they, you know, it's almost like I said, it's like a consensus or, or, or some type of ballot. I don't know what they do up there, but they, you know, they try to be it's kind of like some probably just somebody he knows in some different organizations right. to just kind of just take their temperature and see kind of you know are they you know are, is he seriously like a lot of pick to y'all like and so you know, Coach Self made it you know plain uh, he was like you're looking like you're projected ten to sixteen wow because um, you know at the time you know it's like either I sign with you without an agent you know so. It's a lot of things like you know if you don't sign with the agent, then you can go back to school. You know, like, so mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I just looking at it, it was ten to sixteen. I was like, it's probably not gonna get better if it does. It wouldn't be because of us winning the championship, which they won the national championship the next year. It was because like I'm in the same role for three years, and I'm not gonna play power four. Like, gotcha, see, gotcha, a lot of people gotcha. now been watching NBA small ball. When I was, you know, I'm six eight two twenty. I, you know, I got put a little more right, weight right, on my right. sophomore year. Yeah, I'm 6'8", 220. Like, I'm not playing. I'm not about to be banging against Manane Valerio and Kenny right. Martin and, right. you know, and, and, and Amari. Come on now. Like, at that time, I was – that was I, Right, right. So, I, right. I was like, okay, I need to go when my stock is high. 
I haven't really shown perimeter game, but I'm getting away with it because of athleticism and just on a good team, high visibility. Mm-hmm. You know, people they see how I was playing in high school. I got a small window now. I got to go. It was a, my first professional decision. Gotcha. So in terms of the being drafted process, um, I was doing workouts for all lottery pick teams, um, teams that you know had a lottery pick. Uh, I rolled my ankle though, like my second workout, and that really made it tough. You know, just mm-hmm. you know, in the workout. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had a chance to be top ten. I want to talk about the teams, different teams, how that may have went down. But I think the, you know it, the, the lottery definitely changed some things. When they, you know, some team they end up being like top, like hot, way higher. Right, right. They end up chances, and they went up being farther. So right. a couple teams were really high on me. Right. So that's why I say it's, it's really hard for people to really. It's so there's so many things to think about. Like yeah. I'm like I'm in the moment. Like where okay, I'm into the draft. We gonna see. But when I got drafted, it still didn't hit me like. It didn't really hit me though, cause like we had, I knew I had to get on the flight. We had to go to New Orleans, right. you know, do an event. Yeah. So it was like when I got to New Orleans, I found it was like like after the event, everything I was like, okay, like I'm really in the NBA, cause it was like my mom was just like, it's new for me. I'm like, right, right. Not, I'm trying to just make sure I'm on time here. Yeah. I'm trying to yeah. get here. It's a lot. You know what I mean? It's yeah. So it took a while to kind of hit me, and it was after all the draft and gotcha. the day after. So. So you get to New Orleans, you ended up playing there for three seasons. Talk to us now. You're going from high school, college, the transition. Now you're here in the pro and the NBA with Chris Paul there as well, a couple other vets. How was that for you in your first couple of years? Uh, it was a, definitely a learning curve. Um, I, I, I was surrounded with all veterans outside of I played with Hilton Armstrong, who went to New University of Connecticut, and then with CP3. He was like ahead of his time anyways in terms of maturity and leadership. Um, so I felt like I was pretty much surrounded by veterans. You know, I had – Bonzi Wells, um, Bobby Jackson, they both got trade, you know, from uh, New Orleans to Houston. But, you know, I had I had um, Tyson Chandler, Peyton Stoyakovich, Sean Marks, who's the GM of the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, mm. I, I'm Ryan Bowen, who, who works with the Nuggets now. Like, I had, like, veterans, veterans, like Melvin Eli from Chicago area, Janelle Pargo from Chicago. Wow. Like, I had, like, Wow. I had like vets, like I'm coming in at 19 or 20. I was a fresh 20, and I'm like playing with or you know just players who were like 29 and up pretty much. I was right, right, like, it was right, just like right, a big right. gap. So I, it was a learning right. curve. Um, and, they, and they, I had some good good vets, as they said. You know, they were really te- you know trying to show me ropes. Um, sometimes I'd be stubborn, not listen, but a lot of times like it, it re- things would register to me, register right. to me. And if I hadn't had that guidance, you know, with the, with those veterans. You know, I think that I would be, you know, maybe had an even less success with my eyes career. Yep, yep. I can see that. It speaks volumes, too. So we've all seen the last dance that's been going on this quarantine. <laughs> seen Dennis Rodman a couple of things, a couple of stories. <laughs> so how have you, how did you manage, I mean, throughout your whole career, pretty much the lifestyle off the field as well as balancing the season? Because mm-hmm. this is a billion-dollar industry, and a lot of media attention on you. I'm not sure it's not easy to an extent, you know? So how are you able to ma- manage that? Uh, for me, I, 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 living in New Orleans, it was, it was, it, it wasn't, it was, like, they call it the big easy, because, you know, it's, it's a different culture down there. Like, we would go out, or we would go, you know, just, you know, store, store runs, and it was never, I felt like I was just a normal person. I got you, got you. Everybody you. didn't really even try to boost you up like that. Nice, they might just nice. say, good game, or nice, something like nice. that, but they didn't, like, live some places, like, yeah. The, bigger, the bigger the metropolitan area seems like the more the people do deal with it. Right. You know, it's just the more hype behind it. Right. You just think about it, it's more people. It's like almost familiarity. Like we, we started seeing the same people in different neighborhoods and different things. It was like, okay, it's just like 
right. so-and-so, you know what I mean? Right. And I really right. like that about that living in New Orleans from my first you know, experience being a pro. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I really I really have an affinity to the city um, just in terms of just, just you know, people, I, you know, relationships I formed, the people like, even if it was associates, you just, like I said, it's always, it seems like a lot of times I just, it would be good conversation, people would just, and then they had just recovered from Hurricane Katrina. Mm. You know, that my draft year. The year that was 2006, right? I it was 2005 and a half. So it was only two five. years. Right, right, so, right. So that's why right. I said it was like, it was a lot of like rebuilding, yeah. like not just physically or, or socioeconomically, but just mentally and just yeah. a lot of encouragement going forth and vice versa. Right. You know, people was just like, man, you were, we've been all been really big in the city and things like that. Just giving us something to kind of just, you know, remember, you know, hey, life is, Take a bit of time, enjoy right. life a little bit. You know, uh-huh. calls my thoughts and yep. like that. Even though still they're dealing with stuff, yeah. So I know a lot of people have different things to say about sports, you know. But it was good to hear from them. You know, maybe that's how maybe some another culture, another areas of country may not maybe took it that way. But they were like, man, this is like really, you know, they're all, you know, they're, you know, doing stuff with the community and things like that. So I mean, I felt like that really made it a really special time out there. Seeing wow. the, the, the economy continue to expand and. Create jobs and tourism, all types of stuff, bringing more money back to the city. So, nice. you know, sports may seem like it's just a little pastime. It's nah, not but important, it's but when that. people look at it from an economic standpoint, it, it definitely can bring right. you know, bring some stability right. to a city. And soccer's like that in the rest of the world. The rest of the world pretty much has a, a big stadium in the middle of the neighborhood, right. and it funds the neighborhoods, the bars, the pubs. People literally thrive off the club there because of their bring success to the club, right. it's going to impact the environmental, environmental culture here in the city. So, And, and they bring that to that. Then they, they take those, you know, they go, then, that's, then they take them to Home Depot. Now they take them yep. to a, a yep. small business owner. Yep. Like, it's all like a big yep. ecosystem. Yep. So, like, they're getting money now. They can they can spend it on, obviously, other essentials and things like that. So, right. Yeah. So going off that, you spend the next 10-plus years traveling overseas in Europe. And like Israel, Russia, Greece, Italy, Turkey, France, China, Puerto Rico, yeah. to name a few. But so first off, I got two parts of this. Okay. What was international ball like in comparison to the NBA? Yeah, I would say that uh, playing internationally was a great experience because it it it, it just showed how big the world is. You yeah. Know, and right. that, that that basketball is. Is a means to communicate and, and have people play a game all around the world, and it's, it's like its own language, you know. So there's some language barriers, but it's like basketball. I started to say, okay, everyone knows basketball. Right, right, right. Um, right. NBA, of course, it's the high level um, in terms of the talent. I think it was a lot more open game, uh, just because that's it's just that's how the brand is. The, the spacing is different, and in, uh, internationally, you know, we you know, there's like for example, there's a rule where you. Uh, in the NBA, it's called defense three seconds. If the person's in, in, the, in the zone and yeah. too much, too yeah. long, they got to get out. That means the players know when to attack. They just in the a wider perimeter right. for three pointers. Over there, it's a smaller, uh, shorter distance covered for the circumference of the, of the three point arc, and they can stay in the, in the paint as long as they want. So I always said, yeah, I always say that if you can score in, in internationally, you definitely can get buckets in the NBA. And I would always, I would, I would think that the NBA should definitely look at players who have adjusted playing overseas to bring them, you know, mm. like to recruit, you know, players. I think they should got to find some pipeline because uh, you see a player like Luka Doncic. I saw I was about to say too. You yep. know what I mean? Like he, yep. he was 17 and destroying grown-ups. Right. People exactly. with prior NBA experience. Exactly. 
And I, I knew, like, you know, Stephen Avery all these people, they, they did admit, like, okay, we, we didn't know how serious he was. I knew. I, I was over there. I was right, like, this right. is, he get the right. NBA, he about to kill. Right. You know, right. they told me also, you know, oh, because he's scoring 30 and this and that. He wouldn't do that. I'm like, y'all, right. he was scoring, he was doing that in 40 minutes also. Mm-hmm. It's 48 minutes in the NBA. So mm-hmm. it, ain't no, it ain't his fault that he get eight more minutes to kill. Right. You know, so right. that's, I always, I right. like, I love that's the game. Yeah, so I love the game, like, in both mm-hmm. ways. I, I'd like to see when players transition from, NBA to um, season, vice versa, because it is two different styles, and that tells that someone is really good, to, you know, able to, to adjust the game. Right, and that's the same thing for soccer too. And I honestly yeah. been telling people the same thing about Luca. I knew he's gonna do well because he's playing with grown men as a teenager. Yeah. And soccer is the same thing. You, you turn pro over. Let's talk about overseas mostly. Uh-huh. You turn pro as a 16 year old. You're right. playing and you're playing grown men. By the time you hit 21, 22, you already know you're in the top of the world pretty much at a yeah. young age. So then you come over here and play us internationally. You might come here to the States. You're thriving as yeah. a little youth, but because you played in that experience as a teenager with grown men, it just speaks volumes to now. Yeah. And you see throughout soccer, the best teenagers are pretty much the ones that grew up in the whole academy system and everything as a youth right. and play against the grown men when they're in, in the youth system as well. So that's, that's I definitely. Yes, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I can, I can imagine that, but I, I couldn't assume that right. that's exactly what it is. But yeah, it's good to know that it's like that. So, and secondly, too, how is it mentally for you consistently moving almost every year? And for me, I'm, I can speak volumes in that, too. It's my seventh year as a pro, but I've, before I moved here, I was on four different teams traveling every single year, Pittsburgh, Philly, Richmond, now here in Charlotte. Now, finally, have, I'm here for the second year a little bit, finally, you know, creating a home a little bit, so I can definitely feel you in the sense of traveling all the time, but you're traveling across the world. So how is that? And you have a family now, too, I'm, I'm assuming, as well, yeah. at this point. Like, how are you managing all that? Well, yeah, it's, that's definitely was, has been an adjustment, um, you know, because in the NBA I, at the time I wasn't, you know, I had my family, I wasn't married and all that, but, you know, it was, it was that was its own beast, just be in one city for one or two days and then another city one or two days. Right. But, you, you know, but you still got six, five to six months of, of you know, you can be in one spot, you know, like the off season, things right. like that. You know, I, I wasn't on the playoff team to go to Finals, you know, so my summer was, was longer. So, right. But we're going going over to play internationally. It was interesting because we would, you know, we would be living in one city or one, you know, one place for like eight, nine months. And then at times on certain years, you know, certain teams we would play intercontinentally. So, like in the middle of the week, we'll play in another city, another country, another city. Mm. So we'll have like two leagues going at once. Like it's almost probably like hard for a lot of people to fathom here and they just watch sports here. Like, right. like imagine like NBA playing a game against each other and then flying to uh, Brazil and playing a game and then coming back to play against on the NBA team. Like we'll be playing like like for example in um, when I was in Italy, um, I played for a team um, called Reggio Emilia. I played actually two times in Italy. We played intercontinentally as well. But in this particular situation, like we had, we were playing, uh, it's called domestic league game. We would play that like on a Sunday, but then we got to get on a flight and like maybe the next day, cause we got to play in Germany. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we play Wednesday, then we come back Thursday afternoon and then we got to get ready for another game. So it's like two leagues going on. Like you could be like, yeah. we, the reason I brought up that particular team because we were like, we had injuries and like there's different rules on who, how many people can dress, especially like foreign uh-huh. players, different leagues. So one league we were like, 13th place out of 16 teams in the domestic league. But in the other league, we were, we made, basically we were, we were in like second place. 
like in that league. So it was like it was like because we can play more foreigners too. It's like gotcha. it's constantly annoying we play more foreigners. Gotcha. And domestically they try to limit that, you know, trying to even the playing field. And so we had injuries, so we had to keep signing foreigners. But we had, we were loaded for the international game, but, but then we couldn't. Domestic. We had to choose. They had to choose who was gonna play. All that being said, we didn't make the playoffs that year because we just started off so slow. But then we made it to the semifinals in the other league. <laughs> so oh, wow. it was That's like crazy. two whole like you had to like switch. Emmy mm-hmm. had two different basketballs to play with because it's two different leagues. Right. One was Euro Cup, which is a step under Euro League. Yep. So we made it to the semifinals in Euro Cup, but then we didn't even make the playoffs in the domestic league. But we playing against teams in the semifinals and in the quarterfinals. They were playoff teams in their country. So it was just it was just, you know there's those interesting dynamics like that. Some play some teams they they decide to play intercontinental in the middle of the week. And so mm. it made it interesting, though, because you didn't have to think about one game, you lose it, then it's like, oh, we got to wait a whole week. Um, so that was a change of pace like that. And just playing in different countries was, was great, just was, um, just taking on different cultures, languages, and just enjoying right. different parts of the world, food and all that stuff, and stuff especially with my family as well. Um, just seeing that part, you know, they have that. Exactly. Good, good memories and exactly. photos and stuff, too. Did you check out any European soccer games when you are out there? No, I, I, thought, I always felt like I had I would I would do it at some point, and when I take a vacation, I know that's what I'm, I definitely want to do. Because my last year in Europe, at least, um, was in Fran- uh, France near mm-hmm. Paris, um, and I, I have kept having teams, some of my teammates, some of my we're gonna catch catch the games, San Jose, whatever. So I was like, I, it's always like I'm gonna put it off or I'm gonna do it. But you know, now I feel like if I take you know vacation, like, I want that's part of the you know. Right, part of the right, trip, especially right. having you know having business, I can step away and do something like that. So I definitely right. want to get that experience. Definitely need to. <laughs> yeah, with, for sure. With the MLS team coming here too, yeah, a nice literally down the street for you too. Can f- go see some soccer. Yeah, definitely well. want to. My kids, you know, my sons in particular, they they, oh, yeah? you know, they were they were babies and they, that's what we watch on TV more so. Nice. So they play a little soccer too. They in some leagues nice. here and you know they like soccer so. Nice. I want to keep them in, keep them exposed to that. That's too. what I was gonna ask next. How do you feel about soccer here in this country? In comparison, we can even yeah. compare it to the European. I know you didn't go to a game, but I'm sure you've seen the culture and oh, lifestyle yeah, yeah. as well. I'm, How would you compare it here in U.S. soccer and compare it to um, international? It's league? it's definitely like like a cult level or in Europe. Mm-hmm. It's like basketball is at one spot. One you know it's cool, but when it comes to soccer, as you know, they call it football. It's it's on a whole other level. Right. I just think here with American football and the NBA, it's 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 kind of marginalizes and, and then it's one of those sports I feel like it I think that has the potential to definitely start to pick up um, if they you know I think if you know every league has to kind of figure out how they want to market and do things yeah but I think this is a perfect time with you know the coronavirus stuff going on like for people to kind of leverage and get into different spaces now right I think these teams and leagues who are behind you know kind of marketing this is a very important time um, but I think I think uh I think like as you said we it's just about the youth and how they invest in the youth. You know, right. if, if there's more programming for the youth of soccer, then it's just naturally to be, okay, I want to play that when I get older. Exactly. So it's kind of like I was saying the grassroots level. I think if, you know, if that was something that either the cities or leagues would throw more dollars into, then obviously the kids are going to be more exposed to it. It's all exactly. about exposure. Exactly. And, you know, that's why I think it, you know, Charlotte Hornets have junior like, Hornets camps and yep. all these things. Yep. Yep. So it's just, I think it's just yep. getting down to the basic level, it small is. level, um, youth is. level, and then they grow. Oh, I can play here. Right. I was going to ask, well, how do you think it can get better? But that you hit the yeah. hammer on the head right there. Like, that's seriously from the simplest ways 
more exposure, even just putting on TV a little more, getting yeah. some more media outlets at preseason, the major league games. Right. Like it's, kids of, nowadays love to see the IGs and the, the social media right, posts right. and exactly. all things, making it look it, cool and it's stuff. It's not even about as many trying to get, of course you want to get people receipts, but you got to look, you got to have some sector looking at the, getting that grassroots level. Right. Right. I don't have a background marketing on stuff. I just, I'm just, I've been around it though, you know. But I, right. I would imagine, like, look, this is a 15 year investment. Let's get to these, you know, seven year olds, these right. five, seven, you know, eight year olds. Right. Let's throw some money into that. Right. You know, and then they also might want to come to the game because they just, exactly. they, y'all, you know what I mean? So exactly. that's, that's, you know, maybe, you know, if they're seeing this thing, you know, they, they can give me some commission. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right. Supporters, like, <laughs> no, nah, that's, that's pro bono, man. That's free. That's free advice. <laughs> so how have you, during this quarantine, been staying in shape, especially as a ball player? Or, or how do you kind of differently think, keeping it active, staying ready? Keep, keeping it 100. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the best shape. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody should not be too hard on themselves if they aren't. But, right, you know, right, the good right, thing for me, right. and I think that's why you know, fitness is important in the sense of habits. You know, I know how to get in shape. Um, and I, I'm in a space where I can encourage other people through different programming. You know, I do fitness, like adult-only classes. I'm looking, all that being said, I'm looking to get in shape as everyone else gets in shape, too. Right. So I'm there, and, I, and I, I'm active. I have my, I call it a personal model, meaning, you know, you have, I have my brand, but I have a thing, my selling point, as my personal asset that I contribute, and my personal model is I work out while you work out. You know, so they may not be the whole 60 minutes, however, like that, but I'm going to demonstrate. I'm going to be doing things. I'm going to play offense with you. I'm going to play defense with you. Right. So I'm, you know, over the whole day, I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to go hard right. just one particular class or whatever, but over the whole day, I'm going to be active. So, you know, if I need to get in there and get with the kids or I'm doing, you know, collegiate pros, now, like, y'all getting some good reps against somebody who can play D. So mostly the collegiate pro players, I'm working out a lot more with y'all. So, like, right. y'all going to play defense. You can't score on me, and I'm I'm 33. Like, I don't know what, you, I don't know what to tell you. So yep. it's me pushing them, yep. the younger players, and then them also getting some good reps in the summer. So, no, that's, you know, that's kind of what I want to do. And so I, I've been busy with the business. Now I'm ready to get in shape as everybody else is getting in shape, too. No, I like <laughs> that. So, I mean, I'm sure you've seen how the climate of the country is right now. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that and your take kind of what's been going on? It's uh, it, it gets me to a deep, uh, it, it gets, it cuts to a deep place in me. Um, but at the same time, um, I just think that it's important for us to take it a day at a time when it comes to these things. Uh, I think that emotions can easily get the, the best of us. I, I have my own opinion about it. I think that it's a better way to uh, to to express one's frustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's. I think there there needs to be some some different ways to strategize. Um, it's interesting that we can see some you know, puppy you know, dance and such music go viral, but you know. When it comes to people, even from an artistic standpoint, yet even if it's political, like there's ways to stay out the way by still getting a message. Right. I don't think that it makes sense to try to get out there and let some other people rouse people up, and they end up doing things that will cost them uh, freedom, being in jail or or death. If, 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 if right. it gets to that point, right. you know, emotions and tension are high. I get that, but there has to be another way to go about it. And a lot of people are looking for answers. I'm a spiritual person. I don't have a problem. I'm outspoken about it. I'm a Christian. I also ascribe to my culture. I'm a Hebrew. And that's me. Someone comes in the lineage of you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm-hmm. So I look at a lot of these things that are happening is nothing new under the sun. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important. And people, and a lot of people don't ascribe to that and don't really, they kind of try to figure out their history and things like that. Um, but I feel like if somebody's looking for answers, they should consider um, that it's been written down and it's about particular people. Right. And so it's, it's like for me, if, I, if someone had a, a manual of how to get through certain things, and then they they don't want to look at it. They know it's there, and they want to go somewhere else. Then, like for me, I'm not. It's not my fight. Like, right, I, I right, speak right. my piece. I let right. people look, search, crack open them scriptures, see what happens. Because mm-hmm. slavery is nothing new, and captivity is nothing new for my people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. whether it's from Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Gre- uh, Persia, Greco, Rome, when the Messiah was here, I believe in Jesus. When the Messiah was on Earth, and then being when the temple destroyed and moving around. Uh, having to find different places of refuge, different nations were taking us in, and then eventually, through our idolatry and all these things, people eventually had to go into captivity. And so right. I think if people can accept that, if they don't, or if they do, whatever, but if they can accept that God put us in this position, then they also need to also understand and look, look at the game plan and God's, uh, how to redeem us from this. Mm-hmm. But if we try to do it by ourselves, it's showing, like, all this is doing to me is just it's just showing that we don't really have the unity spiritually. So we can all march, we can Amen. do all that stuff, Amen. but it's not going to get us anywhere. Right. And, and, and at the end of the day, I'm just one person on a billion people on earth. That's my stand, and that's why I'm standing out the way, and I want to be a place of refuge for people who don't want to deal with that mm. and get you know get some work in, get back in shape. And also that as well, people have been sitting, that's not good for them mentally. And, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And now they now they just want to finally get active, and they letting the news, news and media get you all right. riled up. Right. Like go work out, go right. run, go do, go get go refresh yourself right. first. Then kind of see where you at. Meditate and everything. Yeah, meditate like mm-hmm. like, but it just you know it's getting warmer outside, and you know people are antsy. I get it. Been mm-hmm. at home for two three months, mm-hmm. like just looking at the same visuals and stuff. Like I just tell people, look, be at peace. Like come to come to a standpoint where you you can. However, wherever people's place is in their mind and spiritually, like if they believe there is a God or the, and who is the one, the maker of us, man, start start off with where they need to and ask for answers. I don't have all the answers, but I know what I'm seeing is not a solution. Right. I know it's a strong word. I know it's not getting us somewhere because history has shown us. Right. We cannot get it out of captivity in this way. Right. And captivity just means also here mentally and spiritually. So, right. yeah, I, I'm outspoken with that. Um, since you asked, I said it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's kind of how I've been with this whole stance, too. I've been on social media being active. I mean, I have a little platform myself, but we can mm-hmm. either decide to be quiet on these things or just say something and be a difference. And kind of what you were also saying, how people aren't really comfortable within themselves, I think that's a root of the problem. A lot of people aren't happy within themselves, so they express it and take that anger and push it to other people and other races and mm-hmm. things. But really, it starts within yourself, getting happy within yourself, and then you wouldn't have any problems with whatever so-and-so is doing because it's not affecting you. Right. When you let these little things, what people say, media outlets affect you, it drains your energy, takes mm-hmm. away from your peace, and it just runs you wild and things. So I, I definitely agree with a lot of those things. How do you think the next, what do you think like the next step should be? I think, um, there's, I mean, in fact, we can now take it from not just spiritual but onto a, a practical level. I think there should be um, there should be a different way, like of like evaluating cops. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. in terms of you know not just we're understaffed or we need this or that or they they got they ace their academy test like a little deeper like like 
not just because you 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 know because most of the time you got to do something that's gross like gross misconduct or something that's really right. bad just to get fired or something happened right there needs to be evaluation going on period like right. what they're doing like people should be i feel like cops should be getting fired before like because of things that are taking place yeah before like and i feel like the people whoever their superiors are they they need to start looking at you know from a standpoint of accountability like okay like they, you know, they already take everything they're doing. Like they need to be reviewing that stuff and right. be serious about it. Right. And I feel like that would be even if that's two people that that get fired, with or without pay, whatever beforehand. Yeah, I know they ain't want to talk about lawsuits, but I feel like they need to change that system to keep the cops on their toes. Right. Because yes, y'all able to walk around with a gun and y'all can do this. Y'all got batons, all that stuff. Y'all already. It's like when somebody's a a black belt, they got to register themselves as a, yep, as yep, a weapon, yep. right? Like boxes you can't just walk too. around boxes. You can't just yep. walk around like. Right. You ain't got those hands, right, you know right, what I'm saying? Right, right, so right. it's the same thing. I feel like they should be held more accountable to an even higher standpoint, even though they're supposed to be just like citizens and all that stuff and serve and protect. No, y'all need to be held on a different level now because we all obviously looking at y'all. I agree with that. So that, you know, that's why I say I can I can take on a spiritual but practical level as well in terms of that. Like, it's not really a legislation thing, to be honest. I just right. think it's a it's a managerial, it's, a, it's an operational type thing within each department. And I think that uh, that also might, they might be, you know, some people may not even, there's some good people out there probably might want to be a cop, but now they don't want to deal with that because how they're being viewed. Right. So I feel like the people, like y'all trying to hold hold on to y'all quota, how many cops y'all have in each department, let four or five of them go and get you some good ones that, you know, to, to change that image. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I feel like, you know, could imagine somebody like, no, I'm not joining the police force. I just saw in Chicago right. they beating down some cops. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real? Right. Like, like even, that again, that's what I said. Like, mm-hmm. you're doing things like now somebody watching that 17 or 18 year old, the, the future cops, like mm-hmm. who could be cops. Like, I ain't about to be a cop now. Mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. That's some, some four or five, 10 people probably in each department that wouldn't be filling those spots for the people who they know are ill minded and just doing it out of you know some type of thirst for power or whatever. Right. Accountability, like you're saying. We're being held accountable to certain standards. When you go in the press conference, you can't say certain things, right. can't do anything, and you get fined. Well, if we're going to get fined and get held accountable for what we say, they should be held accountable for what they do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these things, even like to the littlest scale where like a Rachel will call in 911 because they're scared of a black person, but I think like even the fake 911 calls should be held accountable in some kind of way or, or mm-hmm. they say like don't even call me and waste my time right. because people are just freely calling just in any kind of way but this puts our lives in danger and yeah. puts our lives in jeopardy clearly as we see i'm glad mm-hmm. social media is here to bring these things to light but this has been going on for decades and it's always been a problem yeah. so i think in every little scale there needs to be some form of accountability so a lot of these little issues just stop for sure for sure so lastly though in the NBA, in comparison to the rest of the, the world, pretty much, NBA probably has the most black coaches as a as a coach. There's none. There's only one in the major league of soccer, mm-hmm. and he's from European descent. None in my league. Mm-hmm. Hockey, same way in other sports. Yeah. What kind of impact do you think that has? And do you think there still needs to be more black coaches, though, in the NBA and other leagues? Um, I hate to look at it from the standpoint of, like, you know, like affirmative action, or like we just gotta have a quota. Cause then I feel like, I, I feel like this. It's just let's just start with the NBA. It's understood that a lot of these like the best athletes, you know, are, are black, and, and, and I feel like they've had a lot of firsthand experience. 
they have a lot, you know, they, you got people who played 15, 20 years at the highest levels and had success, and then they're, like, not even running right. for jobs. Right. And I feel like that's just, right. the, the, from that standpoint, I feel like it should just be people who are qualified should be the ones getting in front of, you know, as a, get, get, get at least get a shot as, as a him as, mm -hmm. as a head coach, mm -hmm. even for NFL, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I feel like there's some disparity from that standpoint. Um, I just, I look at it like that. Um, I think... I put it like that regardless because I don't I don't really get into too deep with it. Uh, I don't care if somebody want to quote unquote pull my black car or whatever. Right, right, I'm not right. backing up. Right. I'm a person. I look at things like like in a way of just judging right. Like it, it, what it is, it is. Like right. if someone's qualified and it just happened to be way more in a particular sport, I think then it should show that yeah, it should be more jobs. You know what I'm saying? Um, I can't really speak to MLS because I'm not sure about the you know racial like in terms of the the breakdown in terms of you know who classified this race and that right, in right. terms of what their the the, the the percentages. But I would just say whoever's the most qualified, we're seeing that there's a lot more black athletes coming into different sports and post career. Yeah, I don't think there's enough um, enough representation at standpoint. But I hate to make it where I like it has to be at least 10% or it has to be at least 20%. I'm gotcha. like, look, it just yeah. it just needs to be a little bit more presence, but not where it's calculated, where right, right, the right. team is just hiring someone, so right. only to fire him because they was just only doing it because of politics. Like, we're going to hire him for two years, but we know we're going to get, we want to fire him. You know what I mean? Like, I agree with that. I want people to be qualified, not ever get something because of a quota thing. So how can people follow you and adapt to on social media? Yeah, so we're getting started with, with some babies with it. So, uh, well, we're going to be posting a lot of stuff when we get going. Um, our, I guess you can call it pseudo grand opening is June 5th. Uh, since, you know, it, we, we didn't really have a chance to know when we would open up with all the stuff going on. But we just got to get started. And uh, we just hope it's a great summer. Um, but we can be uh, followed on adapt underscore basketball on Instagram. Um, adapt uh, dot B, B, B A L L on Facebook. Um, and then I'll, I have my personal page on Instagram, by the way, it's Julian Wright underscore that basketball. Gotcha. Um, so I'll have some things from my point of view, but I want to, I want to push people and when they go, if they go to my page, it's going to say, Hey, follow that basketball. Right, Cause right, we want right. to do like live classes, go live and different like things. That. And that's the reason of that underscore basketball as a business account. We definitely want to put out some live virtual classes. Just try to show love to people out here. You know, I know it's summertime now and then it's like, again, what get some kids something to do. Right. You know, like I could charge this and that, you know, at times maybe have you know some special programming, maybe like a, a longer or more specific skill set we're working on. We want to, hey, we want to make sure we, we're, we're, we're putting that, that out there. But we want to just do some, some live, go live, just, you know, promote that, go live, give some kids something to do in the summer. They can get, some, get an hour work in with us or staff, you know, myself, Q&A, and just kind of just be a resource out there. We want to do that this summer. Um, just to be, like I said, just connect with the people yeah. right now. Definitely, man. I appreciate you. Make sure y'all give him a follow and a shout out on social media. Definitely, I'm gonna put the links on YouTube and everything on my social social media. Check him out. Sign up to his classes online the summertime too. We'll even be trained there as pros as well. So definitely come check us out. I appreciate you guys again for joining the show. I'll talk to you soon. Backyard Footies brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network podcast. That's BGN.FM on the internet. You can also follow them on Twitter at the BGNFM.